And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall, Gene Prenti, and Chris McCormick here as always to bring you the latest gear news. It is blistering hot in the great state of Texas. I should know, I spent a couple of days out at the Byron Nelson. Have a recap on that. Give a rundown of the latest gear news from last week. And I had a chance recently to spend some time with Scotty Scheffler. I will do a rundown on his setup, some of the things that were more, I guess I would say the most interesting things that I noticed in his bag although he did talk to me. So it wasn't like I was just rummaging through his gear. Before we get into any of that, boys, how we doing? Gene, Gene, kick us off here. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, how's it going? How's the dating scene, Gene? Uh, it's going well. Took a date on Saturday and saw St. Paul and the Broken Bones at Humphreys in San Diego. If you boys ever get a chance, it is an outdoor concert arena right on the bay at shelter island you look out over the sailboats a band i highly recommend a um a soul almost kind of disco band uh they're from alabama been around a while and uh, a lot of fun so good weekend good weekend oh man gene's dropping bands that i've never heard of and now i'm gonna start googling them that that (laughs) that german what was it like? A Mutie, Mutie, M-U-T-E, it, Mutie. That that band was wild because they got oh, their start yeah. playing like just on the street, and somebody videotaped them, and they blew up. And so, yeah, you got to keep on top of your German marching bands that play house music, man. I mean, you know, keeps I'm you behind, young. Behind the times. Do you do you well, own a band? The question t-shirt is, are you getting a second date? <clears throat> uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Oh, yes. second date. Because I didn't because I didn't talk you about didn't the, speaker, the speaker. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There it is. No I'm learning. Talk. I'm learning. No speaker talk, and my blood pressure stays down. So it's all good. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Okay. It's boring, Chris. But Chris, how are you, buddy? I got no complaints here. It is. It's in the 80s in Arizona, and little breeze, and absolutely. Wow beautiful out right now and here i am in a recording studio not enjoying uh like literally the perfect golf weather right now but i found out that i'm going to be uh jumping in a truck and driving across the country up to new jersey for a new location that we have opening up with truespec so looking forward to that 2500 mile drive here coming up either uh, saturday or monday whenever we get this equipment ready to roll that just sounds like Tons of fun. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I don't even you know see, how to comment on that. <laughs> I got to tell you, I I do enjoy a good road trip, but in a Dodge Ram 3500 quad cab, dually, long bed with a 22-foot-long trailer going across the country by myself, it's not, oh, uh, it, it, it's not, it's not by really yourself. high on the, oh, by myself, rolling, buddy rolling oh man that sounds that sounds like a really smart idea but that so trailer when, going by yourself cross country godspeed so, that's it so that's when, it. one man when band callaway came when callaway came out with the rule 35 ball uh tailormate hired me to drive my trailer that i had my robot in with an f-150 not a dually like you mr fancy pants chris um this thing is to orlando yeah well that that definitely helps but 
I drove by myself to Orlando with that thing. And I just remember you'd be cruising along 55, 60 miles an hour. That semi would come by at 75 and everything would start shaking. Two hands, <laughs> death grip on the wheel. And you're like, okay, okay. Made it past that one. 20 minutes later, boom, same thing. Over, That's why you, over, you have to, uh, you have to get out in front of them and just, uh, just go balls to the wall, 80 miles an hour <laughs> in the fast lane and just go for it. Just hammer it. Yeah, and, that's, and don't that's forget a, that's a three or four five hour energies along the way and ready to go. <laughs> that's a brilliant. None of that strategy. sounds fun. <laughs> None of that sounds fun. I'll send I'll send you guys pictures that we can uh, that we can post on on fully equipped social site and uh, kind of well, update the travel as it goes. And and show the. Um, Show the passenger seat strewn with energy drinks, chip containers, cereal boxes, all the, all the fun stuff you're eating at uh, gas stations along the way. The cereal only boxes. thing that's riding shotgun those. with me is is my my Rockford speaker. That's it. I mean, it's, it's oh, going with me that was mean. That was just what, a, mean. what an asshole. It's the only <laughs> companion I need. Just, I thought we got that out of the way first. Now we, now we're we're getting like body shots in on that thing. I mean, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to check my, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to check my kidney function in a while because I've taken so many to the backside. So, anyway, rub some dirt. All right, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll you'll be fine, Gene. (laughs) On on to the next, on to the next topic. Moving on, or should I say, before before we get to the next topic or the first topic. Or whichever topic, I, I'm I'm already just completely off the rails. I want to let you know that this week's episode of Fully Pip is brought to you by our friends at Repsoto and the Repsoto Mobile Launch Monitor that gives you all the metrics you want: distance, ball speed, clubhead speed, launch angle, just to name a few. But really, where the MLM shines is in data visualization it can now provide. The shot tracer feature gives you video of your swing plus precise visualization of your ball flight and shot shape. The new distance shot dispersion feature has a visual overlay of every shot you hit on the range that's color-coded for each club with pinpoint distance and accuracy optimize your club gapping dial in your wedges and really fine-tune your driver and fairy woods the mlm also gives you really cool charts and graphs that can help you practice smarter not longer i'm a big fan of that to really maximize your time and help you get the most out of your range session use it indoors use it outdoors it's extremely portable you can build a custom practice plan with this unit. Simply put, Repsoto's MLM is the launch monitor every golfer needs. Go to repsoto.com backslash fully equipped for 100%. Sorry, 100%. Yeah, 100% off your first purchase. Sign Hope me up. Okay with that one, Repsoto? No, I should say go to repsoto.com backslash fully equipped and enter promo code fully equipped for $100 off your first purchase so you won't get it for free but hey 100 bucks off it's pretty good anyway jay wall will pay the as a promo code f-u-l-l-y-e-q-u-i-p-p-e-d if you don't know how to spell at repsoto.com backslash fully equipped for 100 bucks off and thanks again to repsoto for being a sponsor of fully equipped all right time to get into it why don't we just start with what went on last week there were some interesting gear changes that i want to highlight 
you know, Roy McIlroy changed three woods, which I found to be interesting. I'm usually a guy that only finds the minutia to be interesting. He goes to a 15 degree tailor-made stealth three wood at TPC Potomac. The weather that, okay. So let me just tell you this. I talked to a caddy this week when I was at the Byron Nelson. Did you guys get a chance to see any of the coverage from last week's event outside of DC? Did not. I was slammed this weekend. It was miserable. It rained and rained and was heavy, heavy high winds and just just a miserable, a miserable scene. It, it felt a little bit like an open championship, a proper open championship where you're getting tons of rain, tons of wind. One of the caddies told me that he was he's caddied for a player last week who had two sets of two sets of rain gear. One, because eventually the first set was going to get too wet for him to wear and it was going to become uncomfortable. So he wanted to have a second pair. So the caddy says they get through an entire round. He dumps water out of the inside of the staff bag. There was that much water during the round. But before he does any of that, he decides to weigh the bag. Now, these staff bags, they take on water. Those panels are are not breathable. They will take on all kinds of moisture. How much do you think that bag weighed last week? 85 pounds. I was, I'll, I'll take the under. I'm going to say 60, 63 pounds. <laughs> Chris was so close. 64 pounds. Damn it. He cheated. But prices, prices, really right. no, 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 no. Prices, right rules. I he's win. Under, he's Closest under to number. without going over. So he wins. Yep. <laughs> Damn right. You're the, you're the winner. Congrats. Come get Another the Rockford speaker coming my way. <laughs> there we go. So that's just what he needs. Another rock form speaker. All right. 64 pounds, which I thought was insane. He even said that the beginning of this week, he was walking around a little gingerly backs, a little, a little soft, a little tight. I can, I can understand that after a week of lugging around bags that are just taking on water. Yeah. Anyway, 64 pounds. That's why I'm not a caddy. I'd be done after a round, maybe nine holes. Yeah. I'd, I'd be packing it in at nine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp. Um, anyway, so McElroy changes from Sim, the tailor-made Sim three wood to a stealth. And he does it because he's able to pick up a touch more spin. So he's at 3,100 on the draws, 3,600 on the fades in RPMs. And so it's given him the ability to work the ball both ways, but there's something interesting about this change that, that caught my eye. And it's only because I've, as I'm going to discuss later, chance to go through Scotty Scheffler's bag. McElroy said that he really liked the look of the stealth fairway headed address. He said it felt like it was more square than previous fairways. And one of the things that I did point out was TaylorMade this year went away from the two-tone look. You know, they had they had the white section on, on the titanium frame and then that back section on sim, it was kind of would you would you call it more of like a silvery, like a silvery gray with that with that carbon fiber crown? Yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I would yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd say it's kind of a yeah, silvery gray. Yeah. It had a little Excellent. bit of like an iridescent look to it. Anyway, mm-hmm. the the sim two was a little bit darker, but it's still still two-tone. And then as I'm writing this up, it's like, well, hold on a second. Scotty Scheffler told me the exact same thing. And Scotty said that that was a huge part for him, not, not ball speed. I mean, ball speed was great, but he said that the look of a, 
of a fairway or a driver, in his case, the driver was really important to him. It's got to look square. And he said that with that driver, it looked square. So it, it does make me wonder, I, I mean, have you heard any, any sort of feedback, Chris, during fittings or guys saying this looks square at a dress simply because they went away from the two-tone and now they've got a black titanium frame with a black carbon fiber piece? Yeah, uh, actually quite a bit of very similar feedback uh, across the board with Stealth and Stealth Plus Fairway. I mean, the contrast and how it frames the ball at a dress has been very, very well received. And I would argue that that's probably one of the better fairways that TaylorMade's put out in the last several years. <clears throat> it's, I mean, the Stealth Plus is a phenomenal fairway wood. Had really, Rocket really ship. good success with it. Yeah, it is. It is. And it is, in my opinion quite a bit more stable than what I saw with Stealth Plus Driver and the ball speeds that we were seeing off of it uh, just really solid, really consistent. I don't remember yeah. the uh, the data that we got from robot testing with that fairway wood, but I know uh, just in what we're seeing in the fitting environment, it's been, it's been a home run for us for sure. Usually some of the longest. I still remember when we tested the Sim Tie when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember looking at the numbers and it's like, I can't be right. Can't be right. No. That's, that's not, that's not right. There's, there's the fairway words aren't supposed to be that long, but sure enough, it was at that thing. Again, if you, if you had the, the rocket version, I mean, it's aptly named it. I mean, 13 and a half degrees. If you wanted something that you could just bomb off the tee, if you weren't a driver guy and you needed something shorter. I mean, you could you could use that thing all day, and and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of pros are gravitating towards the tailor-made fairways. Was just they're they're crazy long, and you can use them as a second option off the tee. But um, yeah, Rory's got the fifteen degree, but it it was that was something that did stick out to me. It was just the fact that he he really liked the way that it looked addressed, and he's not the only guy, Scotty Scheffler. So they're two of the biggest names in golf, both saying the same thing. They like to look at a dress, and and I think tailor-made's onto something. I liked the two-tone look. I mean, it was it was easy to spot a tailor-made fairway or a tailor-made driver when they had that two-tone, but mm -hmm. it just looks more traditional. I like the look now, and I'm more of a traditionalist anyway. But I do I do like that look. We'll get back to fully equipped in a moment. Before we do, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Golf Pride and their new CPX Grip. You've heard me talk about the CPX before. It features a new exo diamond quilted pattern all over the outside of the grip that helps reduce vibrations. The pattern on the script is derived from BMX bikes. So if you're somebody out there who's been riding BMX before, you know that this pattern is gonna help reduce those vibrations. It's great for if you're playing on cold days, if you're maybe on the older end of the age spectrum and you're dealing with those unwanted vibrations allowing you, or not, not allowing you, but I should say, but keeping you from being able to play 36, maybe get in that extra long range session, that exodiamond quilted pattern is going to really help you out. If you want to learn more about the Golf Pride CPX grip, be sure to check it out on golfpride.com or go over to your local retailer. And now back to this week's episode. So McElroy changes fairways. A couple other changes from last week that stood out. Jason Day back into the TaylorMade Spider Limited Red Putter. I had a chance to see it up close this week. I'll post some pictures on social. 
That thing is beat. It is missing paint from the sole. It's missing paint from the wings, from the top line. It, it's a proper putter. You can tell that thing's been through some battles. So battle he goes proven. back to that. Yeah, it, it is battle proven. So he goes back to that putter. Ricky Fowler also makes a putter change and goes into a custom Cobra King vintage Stingray 20. And this putter actually for a guy, I couldn't believe this. And this, and tell me if this is surprising. I know Fowler's been struggling. He's like, he was 161st in strokes game putting coming into the week. Wow. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for a marquee player to be that low in the rankings, I mean, I would, I would still consider Fowler a, a marquee player. He draws attention. He has a, a good gallery and he's relatively popular on tour. And yep. wow, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely not good. Yeah, not, not good at all. So his putter is a little bit different than the retail version of Stingray 20. And this is where the beauty of having 3D printed technology comes into play. Fowler didn't particularly like it. You see the Stingray 20 on Cobra's website. It has these little tiny wings on the back of the frame. And Fowler just wanted a cleaner look. So because they're able to have the 3D printed, they're able to remove those tiny wings off of it. Give it a clean look at a dress. And he goes out and finishes in the top 10 in putting in D.C., which is really good for him. That's a good sign. Yeah, marginally better. If he (laughs) can get that kind of a putting week with a good ball striking week, I mean, then you're looking at a guy who's in contention to win a golf tournament. So it's it's funny. He's been pretty decent from off the tee and, and approaching the green but his putting's been abysmal. Then he has a solid putting week, but the rest of his game isn't there, which that's just the way that it goes in golf. Like just when you think that you figured out one part, the other part isn't there one week. So he still had a solid week, makes the cut. And I think he finished inside the top 25. So strong week for Ricky with the putter. And this last one is just too good to not mention. Steve Flesh, fellow lefty, he goes out and he wins on the Champions Tour with two different sets of irons, boys. So he starts the week with a set of Titleist T100s with quote-unquote heavier shafts. Now, I couldn't get the specific build on these irons, but he said they were heavier shafts than what he had been playing, and he was hitting the golf ball. His, this, is, this is his words. He was hitting it too good. Just going a little too far, hitting it a little too solid. I'm sure we've all been there before. Sure, sure. yeah, hitting it too solid. Sure. So because of this, he's flying the green, and it just starts to freak him out, where, where he's thinking after two rounds, okay, and this is because the Champions Tour is 54 holes and not 72. After two rounds going into Sunday, he, he's thinking, I can't use these irons anymore. I'm hitting them great, but – I don't have consistent yardages. And that's what he was saying is for a guy who's been, who played on tour for decades, he, if he can't have a consistent yardage, if he, if he knows that he's supposed to hit a seven X number of yards carrying it, and he's not doing that, that's going to weird out the tour bro. He's probably not going to play those irons for very long. And I'm actually surprised that Steve played it for 36 holes. So he goes back to a set of Shrixon ZX seven irons with again, his words, 
lighter shafts. And this was a set that he had been using in the past. So he knew the yardages. Goes out, shoots 65, wins by one. I, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Got to say, just the fact that, that Flesh was able to figure it out. Because most guys, if they're dealing with any sort of issue with their gear in a tournament round, they're probably not in contention. Even if they are, they're not swapping out an entire set of irons. But yeah, goes out, swaps his irons out during the final round, shoots a tidy 65 and wins. I love it. Hey, why not? That uh, It's really interesting that he makes, I mean, those are big changes. Not only is the shaft change significant, especially when you're in contention, but I mean, just knowing the characteristics of the Titleist head and the Shrixon head, I would have expected it, honestly, to go the other direction. Oh, the, the Shrixon head, generally speaking, has a, has a tendency to be a little faster on ball speed, also a little bit lower launching head, and definitely a lower spinning head. We'll usually kind of go into that T100 series for yeah, the, the better player, better ball striker that needs a little bit of launch and a little bit of spin. And on the other end of the spectrum, if we have a, a fairly good ball striker, better player, that, uh, that ZX7 iron is usually the head that we go to when we're trying to cut a little spin or drop the apex height landing angle. So it's, it's really interesting to me that he went that direction. And I, I would love to have that conversation and just kind of say, you know, how did you come to this conclusion? What differences is it that you're seeing that kind of made you go, I'm hitting these T100s too far, and now I'm going to go to an iron that, you know, from what we've seen through, I mean, more tests than I can even count, and consistent results of lower launch, lower spin, faster ball speed on the Shrixon when compared to the T-Series or the T-100 series iron from Titleist. It's, uh, it's really, really interesting to me. I, I, uh, I would like to know what the shaft change was, and then also what was he seeing as far as his launch window goes when compared to you know, the, the T-100. If he's going to a heavier shaft than his irons, would it just be, would it, I mean, I know some tour pros will do that in their driver. If mm -hmm. you do it in a set of irons, does it turn it into a bit more of a sledgehammer? I mean, meaning are, are you, are you able, if he's hitting it <clears throat> quote unquote too solid and he's got heavier shafts now and it is, is that going to produce like a, a more, more effective energy transfer into the golf ball? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just merely wondering. It could. I mean, there's, there's so many variables there that we don't have answers for. But, I mean, could it? Sure. I mean, he could be playing a, a different bend profile that's deflecting differently. I mean, the, the weight. Uh, I mean, making a weight change like that could impact timing, sequencing. I mean, there's, there's a few different things going on there that you just don't have answers for. So could it? Yeah. Sure, it could. Yeah. Anyway. But I mean, I mean, overall, overall, Chris, it should slow him down a little bit, right? I mean, you know, unless unless it's triggering something, and like you said, in a sequence, at the end of the day, if you go, I mean, most of these guys go heavier, whether it be irons or or, or driver shafts for stability, right? But they understand that in doing so, they're going to they're going to sacrifice uh, they're going to sacrifice some distance. And, you know, it's obviously a function of how, um, you know, how 
how much heavier they go, but uh, but that that's always kind of been the rule of thumb, right? Sure. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is, it does beg the question as to what were those shaft changes? So going heavier, going lighter, you know, what was it? Did you stay in, you know, the same shaft manufacturers at the same bend profile? Was was the build the same? Like, it's, uh, it definitely leaves a lot of unanswered questions as to how did we get from an iron that is characteristically a higher launch, higher spinning iron to an iron that is usually a little lower launching, lower spinning, and characteristically shows us faster ball speeds. So that's where it's just kind of like, hmm, that's, it's different. Maybe steep flush is just the opposite of what we all expect. I could be. He's the, he's the hey, outlier. Could be. Hey, the... To, to loop back to Rory real quick, Rory's kind of interesting. I was looking up some numbers as you were talking, and his spin rate, it looks like off of a driver, is about 22 to 2300. And it's kind of interesting because uh, the tour average for a three-wit on these guys is 3600. And you said he comes through at about 3100. Did I get that number right? 31 on Jonathan? draws, yep. 36 yeah. on, on the fades. Okay. So he's right there. Um, these guys, it looks like they average about a thousand RPM more spin off the three wood than they do with the driver, which, you know, we've talked about in previous pods, how, you know, they're not using the club per se so much as a, you know, distance replacement option. They're looking at it more as a target uh, piece of equipment, meaning that, you know, on par fives or even short, you know, par fours that they're looking to, you know, hit the green or to place the ball and not have it, you know, kind of run out. Um, so it, it is, it is interesting to, to see how, you know, even within that at, you know, we'll split that difference and say 32, 33, that puts him at about a thousand RPM, which is kind of the tour average. And then he's got ability to turn that down a little bit and draw if he wants to, you know, kind of let that club, you know, run out a bit, or if he wants to play that fade, he can bring it in, you know, more softly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting combination of spins that he has in his arsenal, you know, in, in relation to that club. It's, it's why it's so versatile and why I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. I feel like people are going to be like, Oh my God, here we go again. But it's one of the reasons why Rory, rarely takes out the three wood he's once he finds something he likes he sticks with it and he's one of those guys and other pros i've talked to are the same way i mean heck scotty scheffler was with with the nike for for ages until he found the tailor-made so yeah fairway woods are always tough and once you find one that you really like that can execute different shots especially when you're talking as you mentioned gene you know being able to get a little bit more distance out with that that lower spinning draw or or if you're looking for something that's a bit more consistent that you're trying to, to kind of flight in there, maybe a fade into a, a par five with a, on a long par five, taking three wood, you know, 3,600, that gives you a little bit more spin to control. So anyway, so let's get into Byron Nelson changes. That was, as I mentioned, stuff that caught my eye from last week. So I had a chance to spend a couple of days out at TPC Craig ranch. It's weird. The last month, 
around the the Dallas Fort Worth area has just been I've never seen it this windy in my entire life since I've lived here. And I think somebody said this is the windiest the or the April was the windiest that it had been in 26 years. But it's it's like every single day it's it's like blowing 15 to 20. And typically this time of the year you're just praying for wind because you're you're just starting to feel that summer heat. You want some sort of a breeze, even if it's a hot breeze, you'll take any sort of breeze and you're not getting it. So it's been a little bit different in that regard, but it's going to make this golf course, TPC Craig Ranch, is going to make it play really long. There's a few holes out there. I was talking to, to some pros. One of them, buddy of mine, Conrad Schindler, Giga Maggies, he Monday qualified for the Byron Nelson. And he and I were talking on the range today <clears throat> as we're recording it on a Wednesday. And he told me on one of the par fours that was playing like 495, he said he just barely made the fairway by about 10 yards on a solid poke. It was playing that much into the fan. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting week for the pros, but the field is loaded for, you know, Byron Nelson, for whatever reason, it, it used to be when, when Lord Byron was alive, they had one of the best fields of the year at that tournament because they all wanted to come and be there and, and see Lord Byron on 18. He was always out there at the golf course, even up until right before his passing, he would take the time to go out there and the pros would come and, and pay the respects. Well, once he passed on after a couple of years, it was like, all right, this event, no thanks. And it's bounced around. Craig Ranch is a really good layout. But I think the reason why this tournament is in such a good spot right now is because you've got the tournament this week at DFW, and then you can go right up the road in Tulsa, you know, basically four and a half, five hours for the PGA next week. So that's why you're getting, I mean, Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth, you expect to get those guys because it is a local tournament, but Dustin Johnson is showing up. Xander Shoffley is in town. Brooks Kepko is in town, but then he just WD because his, um, as golf.com Sean Zock pointed out, he's dealing with a tight hip. So maybe we'll see if he's going to be playing the PGA next week. Anyway, it's got a good field. And there were actually some interesting gear changes going on this week. You know, I think the first one that I want to start out with is a piece of gear that might be, or I shouldn't say might be, it is one of the oldest out on tour. Bubba Watson's Graphaloid Bimatrix Shaft. Now we've talked about this one on the podcast before. Because yep. Bubba posted something on social media. He was testing out a Project X hazardous RDX smoke shaft in his ping driver. And he was calling out Brooks Kepka. I don't know why. I, I don't, are, are they doing a match against each other? I, I have no idea. I don't know why he's calling Brooks out. But the shaft change was, was interesting because Bubba's been playing that shaft for, I would say, at least, at least 20 years. I mean, Bimatrix has, has been out there for a while now. And Bubba's had Bubba's had that shaft in his driver forever. And so he changes from an 80 gram by matrix. Now the by matrix is interesting because it has a steel tip and then about three quarters of the shaft is made of graphite, but the tip section on that is steel. And Bubba, because he's getting, he's getting up there in age, he's 43 now, was trying to find a way to gain some more speed. So he went to a 60 gram Project X but that hazardous piece, the, the smoke RDX, is still pretty substantial, even for a guy with, with Bubba's speed. He's going to be able to get some distance out of that, not have to worry about any 
issues with instability or torque. But of course, if you're going to get Bubba using one of your products, he uses that hot pink and black ping driver. So what do you what do you do if you're Project X and you're trying to capitalize on a guy potentially going into your driver shaft? You make him a Color custom, match. make him a custom driver shaft. Posted pictures Absolutely. of this on social. Actually uh, posted it on my social handle at Jonathan R. Wall. It, this shaft is awesome. And I talked to the Project X guys and I said, how do you do that? Like, Bubba, post something on social. You recognize it. How do you quickly turn that around? And they said, look, we can custom prototype graphite shafts. That's, that's easy to do. Now, if Bubba had wanted a custom steel shaft, that's difficult because you've got to stop the production lines. Steel's already running way behind. And then you got to put in a specific prototype set in the middle of the production cycle. That would have been difficult, but they're able to turn it around in about four days. They'd sent some renderings of what the graphics could look like to Bubba just so we could get final send off or sign off on the shaft. But it looks really cool. It's It's got kind of like a pink and black splatter paint on the towards the top end. And then it's all hot pink down towards the tip. And it says Bubba Smoke on the shaft. No idea if he's going to play it this week, but I have heard he has been seeing that bump in uh, club head speed that he was looking for. And if you're going down 20 grams, you should see some increases in speed. And this is a good week to do it because TPC Craig Ranch is not a tight golf course. So Bubba can test it out this week and see what happens. So that one was an interesting one. Sticking in shafts, I noticed that Dustin Johnson is going back to his Fujikura Speeder. That's the shaft, kind of similar to Bubba. I mean, they might have been using the same driver shafts for right around the same amount of time. And yeah. he had been using an LA Golf driver shaft because he's he's got a he's got a basically a stake in LA Golf. And he's now out of the LA Golf shaft. No, you know, no real timetable on when he's gonna be back in it. But the speeder's back in right before major. I, you know, I think he's he's been trying to get into the LA golf. He just hasn't quite figured it out. And what do you do when you can't quite figure something out and you go back to something that's worked a whole bunch? So why not go back to the speeder? Justin Thomas is in a new Scotty Cameron T5 prototype putter with a knuckle neck. Now, Cameron calls it a knuckle neck. I call it uh L neck. It's the same sort of neck that you'd see on a Newport or a Newport 2, just that really traditional plumbers. And he's going to that from a flow neck, or I should say a short slant neck. And it made me wonder, what are the differences, Chris, for somebody out there who sees this when they're watching the coverage this weekend of JT with this, with this longer neck putter going away from the little short slant? What are you going to see if you go from the short slant to a longer neck like this? I mean, biggest thing is offset. The amount of offset that there is and also influencing the, the toe flow of the putter or the toe hang of the putter. I mean, just how much it wants to resist rotation or tend to, or trend, I should say, more towards being face balanced depending upon where that plumber's neck is anchored to the head. So you can have a, a plumber's neck that does have a little bit of toe flow to it, or you can have a plumber's neck that does actually give you a face balance option depending upon the connection point with the head. Uh, 
the slant neck is going to be a little bit more uh, complementary of that, that toe flow kind of design. Uh, so the biggest thing right out of the gate is going to be the amount of offset. So, I mean, plumber's neck is usually a minimum of a full shaft of offset where, you know, that little slant neck is quarter to a half shaft and just provides a, a much more compact, clean look, whereas that plumber's neck is is noticeably different, usually tends to be a eh, better option for somebody that needs some help with creating a little bit of that forward shaft lean at a dress. Yeah. So there are the differences, and that's actually one of the things that Drew Page, Scotty Cameron's tour up, was saying is for for JT, just wasn't able to square the face up as much with the with that little short slant, and so through his testing, because he actually had before this week, he hadn't played since RBC Heritage. It was a week after the Masters, so he's been off for a good bit, and during the testing, he's just noticing he's able to square it up a bit more with this. Now this putter. People are going to see it and they're going to say, well, this is new. Drew told me that they worked on this particular putter and gave it to JT right after last year's Open Championship. So he's had a whole lot of time to use it. One of the things, because he used a very similar putter to this, if you go back and look at pictures from the Open Championship last year, he's using a putter with this with this knuckle neck. But he, one of the, the gripes that he had was it sounded too hollow to him that putter. So to try and give it a more solid feel to match up with his old gamer, they put an aluminum plate back there where you typically see the cherry bombs in the cavity. They mm -hmm. um, put an aluminum plate back there with a couple of screws and that sort of helped give it a more solid feel at impact. And uh, all signs point to JT using this putter. So I think that's going to be a big change because again, if you're looking at guys that are going to contend at Southern Hills, JT would probably be one of those guys. So I think this will be a good week to see how does the new wand handle the greens at TPC Craig Ranch. And if it does well, I think we see it next week. If it doesn't, maybe we see him go back to the old putter, but certainly something to watch. A couple, couple more that I also wanted to point out. Xander Shoffley and Mark Leishman were both spotted by yours truly with a new Callaway Jaws prototype wedge. This one's kind of interesting because it looks like your standard Jaws wedge from the back with, with the plated finish. Now this is, this is not a raw head, but the face is raw, which I think is kind of cool. So it's a, it's a fully plated back piece on this, but the face of the wedge itself is raw. So there are a lot of pros that like the feel of a raw wedge, but some of them, from what I've, you know, from talking to guys, some of them just don't like the, the rusted look. They want a cleaner look. So this sort of solves both of those issues. It gives you the soft feel with the, uh, with the you know, raw face, but you don't have to worry about this wedge rusting. No word at all from Callaway on release date. I'd imagine this one's coming out to retail because – when tour pros have this one, you know, we're not talking about some of the, the highly, you know, specific tour drivers. This is a wedge. And I think you're going to see this one come out at retail at some point. The other story that I wanted to bring up, and I did not know this. So I was talking to, to Joe Toulon, friend of the pod, Odyssey tour rep. And Odyssey in Callaway, they have a brand new tour truck. And it is massive. And one of the things that I noticed when I walked on there 
was they have a putting green inside the truck. It's pretty cool. And it's got the, you know, Odyssey logo behind it. It's on the first of the truck is two floors. So you've got your lower level for all the build work. And you've got the staircase that goes to the top with an area that's kind of like a crow's nest. Got a TV. It's an area to hang out. Maybe, you know, catch the, catch the game, cool off, whatever. But then you can see down from that upper crow's nest down to the build area below. But on the first level, they have this flat putting green. And I thought that's kind of cool. A little area, you know, maybe kids come onto the truck or, you know, the guys are bored and they can roll putts. I found out that they have a full-on Quintic system built into that green. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a game changer, I think, because when you have high-speed cameras that can show how the ball is rolling, how, like how are how are you how are you delivering delivering the putter? How is that ball coming off at, at impact? You know, typically to do Quintic, you got to know somebody or you got to find, you got to find a place where you can do that testing. Now Odyssey can capitalize on any sort of momentum. If they're working with a guy on the practice screen and he's like, Hey, here's my gamer. Here's a new Odyssey. Let's go head to head. You know, the Odyssey sort of feels better, but I'm not quite sure they can take him right onto the truck now and show them real time Quintic and, and probably close some deals on some putters which is, I, again, I think is an absolute game changer. I had no idea that the, that the Callaway truck had that, but that gives Joe, I would say, a leg up on his competition. I'm going to do a story on it here in the uh, not-too-distant future, but I did think that was cool. They're the only ones out there out on tour that have Quintic on their truck. But again, That's, it. That's impressive. Yeah, a, ga- a game changer. That's in, just really in, cool. In my, uh, in my opinion. So those are the big changes from the early part of the week at the Byron Nelson. I'll be at Southern Hills for the PGA. So I'll have a rundown on all the latest gear changes from the PGA. And then of course, because it's another home game, I'll be at Colonial coming up. So I'll have some more gear news from there. And then I'll be at Memorial as well. So a lot of a lot of tour news coming from your boy in the next month or so. All right. Before we get into this week's interview, want to run through seven things that stood out to me during a recent chat with Scotty Scheffler. Had a chance to chat with him at Royal Oaks Country Club in Dallas about his gear. And there were seven things that I thought were worthy of everybody's attention. We've talked about Scheffler's gear in the past and the fact that he's got a pretty eclectic mix, even though he's a tailor-made staffer. He has, you know, he has some shricks on, long irons, utility irons in the bag. He had a Nike three wood. He's got, you know, Vokey wedges. He's got a Vokey, or sorry, Scotty Cameron putter. He's got P7TW irons. And so I just got me thinking, is is this guy, is he a gearhead? And so I had to ask him. And the answer from Scotty was, you know, oh, look, I'm going to definitely test stuff. He doesn't like testing at tournaments but he'll happily do it at home. And he knows that he does it because he wants the best stuff that's out there. And while he was a free agent, he kind of gravitated towards certain club companies, but um, he said he likes new gear, but he doesn't strike me as like a just real heavy gearhead. I don't think he's the, the guy who's in the truck day one asking to try stuff to be the first guy. So on a scale of one to 10, I said, he's probably about a six somewhere there in the middle but he definitely does like his gear 
Um, now the other thing that stood out to me, he loves lead tape. And it's like, if I, if I, I always, you know, we did a, who's your favorite bag setup on on tour a little while back and Scheffler was mine. And it's like, if this guy wasn't already my favorite bag setup out on tour, then he tells me he's a big lead tape guy. I was telling him, I was like, I, I love lead tape. He's like, I'm a big lead tape guy too. And the best part about it is you, I mean, Chris, how, if you, if you know lead tape, can you put it in the same spot on on like any, on every club and get the same result? I mean, I would say there's a lot of trial and error involved with lead tape. Definitely a lot of trial and error for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's it's definitely one of those options that uh, you put it on, you hit a few shots, you take it off, you put it on a different part of the club. Does it make any difference? You know, do you notice anything? Yeah, there's there's definitely. Depending upon what you're trying to accomplish, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what Scotty was saying. He told me that he spends time in the bag room at Royal Oaks, and he'll just slap lead tape on certain spots, more on his utility irons than anything else. And he said the exact same thing. It's trial and error. He just wants to, to see what happens when he you know puts it more towards the heel maybe slaps a little bit more back behind on the muscle pad. Why not? Just, just go wild. See what happens. Yeah, exactly. But he just said, there's, there's really no, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's different for, for every guy. And for him, it's just about trying it out and seeing what happens, which again, I'm a lead tape guy. I just love the fact that he's just out there fiddling around with lead tape in the bag room at, at his, at his local course. Um, One thing you would appreciate Jay wall. Yeah, uh, was fortunate enough to play a, a round of golf with Steve Jones, who you may know is a well, PGA Tour champion uh, and major winner. I was going to say major um, winner. Don't 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 leave that off. He takes out his putter on the first green, and noticing it as he's walking up, and plays with a bullseye. Okay, no big deal. Head cover comes off and uh he soles this thing and me being a, a little bit of a gear nut i am scoping this thing out and he has no less than half to three quarters of an inch of lead tape packed on the back of this thing i mean he has almost created a a cavity uh worth of lead tape on the back of this bullseye putter and picking it up and the weight of the head on this thing and has the original shaft in it. So already uh, a, a little torquey and uh, a little bit more feel than you would expect out of most modern day putters. But with the amount of lead tape he had packed on this thing, I mean, it was a weapon. And no, uh, no, no disrespect at all. But I mean, this thing was a weapon. And I tried to sneak a picture of it all day and I never... Never found a good opportunity him? to go. Like, hey, hey can, I, can I grab a photo of this? I should have. I should have. What a, what a swing but and I, a miss. Wow. I know. I know. Epic fail. But, uh, man, when he had that thing out on the putting green, I'm just looking at it and I'm just going, my God, how much experimenting uh, went into figuring out, that's it. This is it. This is the amount of lead tape I need on this putter to be successful. I mean, he rolled it good. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. He, uh, he was rolling it. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's that's really funny. Um, a couple other things, and again, this is seven, but I didn't want to go through through all seven. If you want to read all seven, go check it out on golf.com. Mentioned the sixty degree that Scheffler used when at the Masters, he used the chip in on three during the final round. And he gave the wedge, the lob wedge, a special shout out during his post-round presser. That one is headed off to Augusta. I actually watched Aaron Dill, Loki Wedge Rep, also front of the pod, on the practice chipping green today. And he was working with Scotty and they were, you know, wedges side by side, trying to look 80s, taking pictures of Scotty's wedge, trying to figure it out. And I asked AD when he was walking away from Scotty, what he was, what was going on. And he basically said that Scotty, when it comes to his lob wedge, he, and with as much as he changes that thing out, that even though it's one that he's changing out every month or two, he basically builds a relationship with that wedge because he it's his favorite club in the bag. He loves it so much. And so it just requires AD to take copious amounts of notes on what Scotty's looking for in that wedge. And so he basically said that after Scotty hit a couple with the new one, as they're trying to find a replacement for the Augusta wedge, that it just needed a bit more camber. And so he's like, it's just, it's just little things, but that's why, that's why you let Scotty work with it at a, during a tournament week, because it's easy for AD to get the wedge back. It's be a lot more difficult if he's like, here, Scotty, take this one home and hit it. But, you know, AD can make changes in basically real time, you know, take it back to the truck. So uh, the lob wedge again is headed to Augusta. It's part of a, a tradition at the Masters where every winner gives a club from their setup that they used to win to the golf course, and then they display it in the clubhouse. And they've been doing that since 1934. But I found this to be interesting. So Mike Johnson from Golf Digest, who is a very good friend of mine, also covers gear, mentor. He reached out to me on the side because I had posted photos of Scheffler's wedge, and he's like, "Hey." you'll find this really cool back when I probably, you know, four or five years ago, uh, Mike was asked by Augusta to go and go through all the old clubs and to, to basically, you know, write a story on, on all the history that's, that's there in all of these old golf clubs that were handed over to the club from the winners. And he said, there's one player actually that didn't give them a club and you'll be blown away to know who it is. Fred couples. Really? So, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So Mike asked asked Fred uh, when he saw him at a tournament, he's like, hey, I noticed you're the only Masters champion who's never donated club. What, what's, is there any sort of reason why? And Fred looks at him and he goes, wait, the winner gives them a club? I had no idea. <laughs> And it's Oops. like, maybe it's not that big of a tradition because one of the master's champions had no idea. So, so I a tradition unlike funny. any other, yep. Jaywall. And apparently Fred's never given them a club. So, yeah. Wow. Yep. He's the only one, Fred Couples. Huh. He would not be the guy that I would have picked if I was, if I was, if somebody was going to do a trivia no. question. Would, would not, would not Definitely be my not. first, he would not be my first 10, 10 choices. So anyway. The other thing that I found really interesting about Scheffler's setup was his Scotty Cameron putter, the one that he, it, I guess it kind of coincided with this incredible run that he's had. He's used it to win 
four tournaments, including the Masters. It's a Scotty Cameron special select timeless tour type GSS. Um, Scotty was just saying, you know, sometimes, and I think this is this is something that a lot of golfers can learn from is he was using his old putter. It was pretty similar to the one that he's got now, but he just didn't, something just didn't feel right. And what Scotty thought had happened, and this is his quote, he said, what I'd thought was I'd got into a habit of setting up to the putter. As I said earlier, you kind of play to the club. For me, I thought a slightly different setup would help me. So I didn't set up the same. It's just a little different look. So for him, that new putter, again, not all that different from the one he was using before, but it just has enough of a different look to where it just feels fresh to Scotty. So when he's setting up to it, it just doesn't feel like he's kind of going in through the same routine with every putt. And again, if you're in a rut with your putter, sometimes that's all you need. You just need a fresh look, even if it's not all that different from the head shape that you're playing previously. Sometimes it's just a little incremental changes and it just gets your putter back on track. So wise words from a, uh, a major champion and I've got a guy, I think, I mean, he shot 64 at Southern Hills during a practice round. Colt Nost from the Subpar podcast said on the PGA Championship preview that Scotty shot 61 recently at Royal Oaks. Wow. So decent rounds for a guy that was already pegged to be the favorite going in. And oh, by the way, Southern Hills is Scotty's favorite golf course. Mm, so, really? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Might might be a good week to take the that, chalk, boys. I'm just, I, I don't know. That's might, interesting. Might be a good week to take the chalk. So anyway, if you want to read the rest of the insights on Scotty's bag, again, head over to golf.com. Before we head into our interview, or my interview, I guess, because you guys are too lazy to ever join in the interviews with recent lazy. tour winner. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you guys are doing anything anyway. I mean, Chris is driving, you know, trailers clear across the country jeans just out there with his robot just whacking golf ball after golf ball we're going on dates so it's not like you guys have anything else going on but uh yeah i did have a chance to speak to to max homa all right before we get to our interview with max i want to let you know that the golf.com team will be on location at the pga championship on tuesday may 17th at the james e mcnelly public house in south tulsa God, I hope I didn't just butcher that for those that live in Tulsa who may listen to the podcast. If so, my apologies. But we are going to be there with our friends from TaylorMade and Doers. I, meaning me, I guess if you want to see me just totally screw up, I'm going to be there testing out TaylorMade's TP5 and TP5X golf balls with our head instructor, Luke kerr We'll have our simulator on site from our good friends at Foresight. So if you want to come out, maybe test some gear on the GC quad or just watch me make fool myself, make sure you're there on the 17th, which is a Tuesday. We're going to have product giveaways, access to the perfect practice putting mats and oh, so much more. It's going to be a good time. Maybe I'll buy you a beer if you come on out and say hello. So go check it out. It's going to be next week on the 17th, which is a Tuesday at James E. McNally's Public House in South Tulsa. And with that, Let's get to Max. All right. Well, it is always fun to chat with our next guest. He's a friend of the pod, now a four-time tour winner, Max Homa. Max, thanks for hopping on Fully Equipped. 
Yeah, happy to be back. So, all right. The NBA is having a, a hotly contested debate right now around the MVP award. And it got me thinking, if you were to pick an MVP up to this point in the season from the clubs in your bag, who are you going with? Man, that is such a tough question. My driver, <laughs> I think my driver has to be MVP. It has been uh, kind of my rock this season. Uh, I've been driving it a little bit further and and straighter. Um it's been super predictable. Uh, I, I always like to say my seven wood because not many people have been using a seven wood. So it's nice to throw that in. But my driver uh, has been it's just been it's been great all season so far. Have Have you always been a good driver of the golf ball? Has Has there been a change since you went to the Titleist TSI three? What where, where do you kind of stand with the driver? Yeah, interesting. Uh, I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. But I was such a bad driver of the ball in like 17 and 18. And then in 19, started getting a bit better. And I think it blended like when I started swinging the club better um, and then switching to this TSI 3 that has a lot less spin uh, and it has a more pop. I feel like I was able to marry the two things of, you know, better mechanics and uh, tempo, which is my big thing. Mark Black, my coach, is huge on my transition being really slow. I think that's made easier by being able to feel like I don't need to swing super hard at it to get the thing to go out there uh, an appropriate distance. So it definitely, the equipment is not hurting that, you know, it's nice to be able to swing easy, catch out the middle and watch the ball fly um, hard. And uh, I, you know, it's not a coincidence. I think that the timeline of the better driving, um, especially from the jump from maybe 2000. Uh, 20 to 21 to 21 to 22 as I've gotten into this new the new head uh, has, has made a big deal and then the the new shaft uh, that Ventus shaft hit also I just switched that one in uh, what would that be uh, February January or February we're, 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 we're going to get to that we're going to okay. get to that from farmers. <laughs> uh, so I know a lot of people have asked you you your first tour win was Wells Fargo your most recent win was Wells Fargo a lot of people have been wondering you know what's changed with your mindset since then but I'm curious What's the one thing that's maybe changed about how you approach your gear from that first win in 19 until the most recent win now in 22? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a big part of it is just being comfier with the reps I, I use out here. Obviously, I got Aaron Dill, uh, who does all my wedge stuff and everyone's wedge stuff. He's a he's brilliant. Um, and being able to talk to him more and feel like I, I kind of have his ear a bit more um that's been huge because he's just simplified things for me uh, around the greens and explaining wedge flights and, and i'm learning a bit more with my coach mark about wedges and so now i can go to aaron with actually like maybe smarter questions than the, the earlier stuff and then yeah now you know jj uh, on the test team usually fits me for my clubs and just being able to bounce things off of him and him kind of just come up to me and suggest things like that's why we kind of switched to a four iron this the t100s like he pr- presented that idea and um so I think little things like that have really changed. You know, uh, I think when you're young and especially when you're not like highly ranked and you feel almost like sometimes that uneasy about bugging, or at least I do, I feel uneasy about bugging people. I still kind of do. Um, but knowing that I can, you know, call them, text them or head over to Titleist or whatever it is, head over to the trailer and know I'm, you know, I know what I'm getting now. Like I know, I know uh, my little crew, I, I know that they get what I'm working towards um, with flights and whatnot. And uh, I think that has been the biggest, the biggest change for sure in this last, like whatever it is, three years. 
So take me back to the week of farmers. You make a trip over to TPI and you leave that session. You worked with JJ and Jeff from Titleist and you change your golf ball. You go from the 2019 Pro V1 to the 2021 V1. You're making changes, as you mentioned, to your driver shaft and your loft in that Titleist TSI3 and you add that T100S4 iron. I wanna know, did you expect to make that many changes going into the session? And how have all of those changes to your gear elevated your game? Yeah, man, I, I, I never really think I'm going to change too much. And it's amazing when you get with smart people who can explain to you <laughs> where you're lacking, how important that is. JJ came onto the range with a, uh, a sheet uh, telling me where in the top 50 in the world where I kind of rank in launch and spin and speed. And my speed is way up, but my launch and spin is also on the, the bad end of that. So He's like, you should be hitting it further than you are. And part of that is I, I like to hit a cut off the tee and I like to hit this little squeeze one. So I'm not, my launch and spin numbers are always going to be a little bit um, deflated on the, on the course. Um, but yeah, it put me in the shaft and all of a sudden I was able to go at it and keep it as straight as I was hitting the other one. Um, and my speed, my ball speed and swing speed jumped crazy because I was finally like comfy, I think, to go hard. and. Um, that was huge because getting to go play Tory that week, although I missed the cut, I drove it so much further and I started to feel real comfy with that. And as the weeks have gone on, I've had this like new level of pop, I think. Um, and I should be able to hit it pretty far. I have long arms. I'm a little bit, you know, probably a little taller than average and I have a bit of speed. So I should be able to get it out there. And it's been fun having this shaft that's really like cooperating. Um, and the golf ball, the golf ball, I hate changing golf balls when you get comfy with one. And the thing was, is JJ's like, man, it's, I'm just gonna let you know. He goes, it's very, very, very similar. And the only thing you'll probably notice is a bit around the greens. And he's like, the range balls we have are 2021. So he said, now when you practice, you'll have the same ball you use. You'll be able to get your numbers on the launch monitors with the exact equipment. So he said, I suggest moving into it. And honestly, after like 15 minutes hitting them, I was like, okay, like I, it's not, there wasn't some huge jump anywhere with anything with the long stuff around the greens is a little bit different. The feel felt quite similar. So, um, but yeah, I never really expect to change all that. And every time I do a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because I am a gigantic gear nerd, I went back through your iron setups this year and noticed that you've actually made a, a couple of alterations and you haven't been playing with the same set of irons. I noticed back in uh, at API, you're in a T203 iron, T100S4 iron and a T105 iron, 620 blades. So you had a pretty eclectic mix. Uh, your most recent win, you had the T100S4 iron, T105, 620 blades. Uh, have you typically made changes to your iron setup throughout the season? And how much are you attributing that just to all the new models that are in that T-Series lineup? It's all because of the models. I went down last year sometime and did a video shoot for them when they first dropped them. And I hit every single iron they have all the way to like the, the 300 and the most game improvement iron they've got. And it was really fun. It was hitting them. I was like, man, these are easy to hit. But I didn't think twice about it. And then when I went down in February um, at the Farmers, JJ had just mentioned that I think JT had just switched to the T100S4 iron and how much he liked it. So I started hitting. I was like, yeah, it's no brainer. It goes a lot higher. It just seems like the scent angle is way better. And it was easy to hit. It didn't change my distances too much. So I switched to that. I always had a 
three iron, whether whatever model it was, but now I have, you know, that, that 200, uh, the T200, but I, I switched that in and out for a seven wood. I've always done that. I've always switched out a three iron for a, I would here and there, just depending upon the course setup. I travel with them every week. And then, yeah, we played one more week. And then Joe, my caddy, super smart and thoughtful guy was like, Hey, you know, this four iron is great. Why don't we try a five iron? Like it, why not? You know? And I was like, yeah, you know, that's not a bad idea. So when we did that, we had to go to the 100 instead of the 100S just so we didn't jump up too much in speed. Um, but yeah, just having two long irons are just as easy as can be to hit. And they haven't changed too much of the the distance numbers. I mean, it was a no-brainer, but it's mostly just because I got to go down and see what they had. And this new, this new, uh, these new models they've got, it's just like, they look like a blade looking down on them. So it doesn't look any different than when I grab my six, seven or eight iron. And I'm, but I'm hitting a club that's just a lot easier to hit and a lot easier to launch. I've always found it easier to bring flight down than add flight without messing up mechanics. I think that's everybody. So that's a huge benefit. So I was talking to Scotty Scheffler recently and he said something interesting to me about his wedges. He said that typically he'll change out his lobber about once every month just to keep the grooves fresh. But when it comes to, you know, the gap in the sand, he'll go a year maybe a year plus without changing him just because he says he doesn't need the spin. JT's told me the same thing. I'm curious, where do you kind of fall when it comes to, to, you know, groove decay or are you, how often do you change out your lob? How often do you change out, you know, the gap in the sand throughout the season? Yeah, my, I'd be similar. My lob wedge is like one to two months. Um, or if like, you know, Aaron actually Dill was the one who came out to me at Augusta and said, I, you know, you might need a new lob wedge, even though I just got one because the greens were so firm and we're going to need a lot of spin. So that was a rarity. Um, but yeah, the sand wedge through pitching wedge uh, is twice a year, maybe, maybe three times. Um, yeah, you don't really, I don't really need a bunch of spin there. Nobody typically does it's almost easier when it's a little more predictable with the less spin. Um, so I find that, uh, to be kind of true with a lot of the guys I talked to, as you referenced, um, a couple other, uh, titleist guys. And yeah, I think that's, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a comfort thing. I've heard, stories about rom doesn't like ever change his lob wedge because he likes to know what it's going to do but like tiger switches them every week um so i'm definitely closer to that one to two months with the lob i like you need in my opinion i need spin around the greens i need those grooves to be as fresh as can be um i've never been a naturally like high spin guy with around the greens so i like switching that out a bit more but again i if i did it every week uh, i would get kicked uh kicked to the curb from the team <laughs> so i keep it a little bit a uh, little bit longer in between them but uh, the other wedges yeah i just don't i don't see much of a difference when they get a little bit worn down a couple more questions for you um i know jt puts or stamps radar on his wedges and he kind of does <laughs> it just because he's been he plays well i've seen your wedges you've got ad's done a really good job with the cool max kind of in, in like large font stamped on your wedge. I'm, and I'm wondering, when you're playing well, are you superstitious about your gear at all? Do you stay with the same wedge stamping if you're getting fresh wedges? Like where do, where do you fall on the gear superstitions? No, uh, I just let Dill rock. He's a genius. He's the best at it. So I let him rock. Whatever he's feeling, uh, you know, he, he goes with and we're cool with it. All right, last one for you. Your caddy Joe, who, by the way, is one of the nicest guys out on tour, um, he said something to new, to you that you had mentioned on the No Laying Up podcast. He said, and again, I'm, I'm trying to keep this PC, but you're an effing killer, he said, <laughs> late in the round on Sunday. And I'm sure when your caddy says something that like that to you, it amps you up a little bit. And I'm always wondering, 
when you get that rush of adrenaline late, especially when your caddy is saying something like that, you know you're you're right there in the mix. How do you manage that rush of adrenaline and kind of just stay within yourself late and around? Yeah, I mean, you obviously get a quick boost, uh, but I guess if if you're if you really think about what that person's saying, whether it's that what Joe said so so perfectly, or if it's something else, it's if you for me when I when I hear that you know you're a killer like part of that is you're don't you know you ain't gonna let your heart rate spike because this is your thing you know you're you're just hunting it's like a normal occurrence if if you want to break it down in the in the strangest way possible um so yeah so it's like you get the boost uh anytime joe says anything you know like that to me something positive it always makes me just very happy because i've always really appreciated our team i love joe like family um and when he says stuff it just means a lot to me uh, but when he said that, uh, it almost it, it obviously makes my heart jump for a second, but it almost like refocuses me. It's like, all right, you know, this is what this is what we do. I'm sure every player caddy team has a similar conversation, and I hope everybody believes that about themselves. But obviously, in that moment, I'm going to believe it about myself that I'm the guy that's going to go out there and get the job done. So it is. It's it's sometimes tough to resettle yourself. But the thing about Joe is Joe Joe picks his spots and knows when to say things, and he says it so perfectly that it's in a it's in a moment where i'm going to be able to calm myself back down and 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 listen to what he just said and use it awesome max it's always fun chatting with you congrats again on the win and i'll see you next week in tulsa likewise thank you very much see you soon and i'll do it for episode 140 of fully equipped as always if you want that gear goodness check us out on social media we're at fully underscore equipped on twitter and at fully equipped golf on instagram now, before we close out this episode, Chris told me something interesting. So we got to give a shout out to a guy who has listened to all 139 episodes of Fully Equipped in short order. Chris, what, what is the deal with this guy? He's, he's crazy. In very short order. No, not crazy. He's, uh, yes. he's who a good would guy. listen to good me guy. ramble so, for 139 episodes? Well, I'm, I don't know if he's tuning in to, to listen to you Maybe he tunes me out. I mean, Maybe that's what makes it good. That's what it is. That's what it is. Oh, his name is Eric Kim uh, from Virginia. He's actually part of the uh, the swag golf community. I connected with him through the, uh, the, the trade uh, kind of society, we'll say, and uh, was able to Doing work out a couple deals. of... A uh, couple, of, couple of head cover trades, and he... Uh, he actually started listening to the pod and he reached out and said that he had listened to every single podcast that we'd done. And, and I have to add that he would, uh, he would even appreciate if we would record more often and have more episodes available. Whew. So apparently your rambling's not that bad, Jay Wall. If, really uh, if we have somebody out there in, in Eric that appreciates what it is that we have to say and would actually like to listen to more of what we have to say. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just curious if this isn't a cure for his insomnia or something like that. So, you know, he's, he's, he's using this to, to just go to night-night zone at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. But, hey, Eric, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, Eric, you are a legend. I don't know how you made it through 139 episodes of yours truly. I think I've only missed a couple of them. Cause I was on vacation, which is just crazy to think about. 
But this one feels like a pretty J-Wall heavy episode. So for those that don't like to listen to me talk, my apologies. It was, it was very Sorry, much, Eric. Yeah, sorry. Again, he's going to tell you that this is the shortest episode ever. So, but man, I, I only heard Chris talk a couple of times and Gene. I didn't even know Gene was on the pod this week. So, uh, <laughs> Eric, thanks again for listening. And for everybody else out there, thanks as all for listening as well. We'll see you next week.